The subject is money, quite an important subject. I've talked about money before. It's uh, therefore it's a revision, a rehash, but it's good because people forget so fast things that they knew once. Money and the whole subject of finance is the thing that is most difficult to understand by the materialists of this age, which is nearly everyone. Nearly everyone is selfishly focused. Nearly everyone thinks in terms of their resources themselves, first and foremost, rather than the planet or their nation or groups such as this, first and foremost. So the whole objective of hierarchy is to teach all of their disciples the true value of money. In matter of fact, people are much more likely to reveal their love life to others rather than how much money they have in the bank or how much debt they have or those sorts of things. The financial position of people, they hold much more sacred than anything else. Their whole life, their whole concept of themselves revolves around on the whole about this concept of how much money they have or where they can get it from. And it's understandable because, of course, without the stuff, most of us would starve. It would be hard life. And there's many on this planet that have such a hard life. Desolate, dying of starvation. Think about it and think about what money really represents. Now, the symbolism of money they called the greenback based on the American dollar, which is the world currency. It's a fiat currency, which means it's printed by printing machines. Nowadays, it's just a matter of typing in a zero or two on a computer, and there's your money. It's backed by nothing. It's just simply a medium of exchange. The government prints on the money, the reserve bank or whatever the government is, and it forces you to use this to barter your labour on the whole for the great masses of the working class. They labour and labour and labour to get a bunch of this greenback and then they can use it to buy or barter with, if you want, the results of the labour of other people. It's a bartering mechanism. However, the way that the governments of the world have manifested this concept it would be right if it was actually fair and equitable. It's highly, highly skewed to assist a tiny oligarchy of very rich people whose labour is counted a hundred times more powerful or more valuable than the labour of the average working class. So a banker, the head of a multinational organisation, what did they do to get their $10 million bonus for that year? Where's somebody putting an equal amount of time labouring at uh, any job gets a tiny fraction of that because the whole system is skewered to favour them. The elite of our societies, the monetary elite, there's a class society, there's still the uh, partitions and the plebeians. There's still the, the nobility, uh, wealth nobility, and the average Joe Blog that basically is a slave to that elite 
that creams their resources off them. And there's the fallacy of our monetary system. It's exceedingly unfair, it's totally unjust, and it's skewed to favour a small percentage of the population. And everyone else thinks that it's all hunky-dory and it's not. From the esoteric perspective, money is karma. This concept of green. The energy of karma is green. comes from the atomic plane, the third plane. It's part of the mother's department. It is meant to be an energy exchange. And what it really represents is an exchange of energy. I exert amount of energy and that is my money that I've generated. And I give it to you. Your medium exchange is to give me some time a reciprocal amount. That's the bartering system. Now, karma determines how rich you are, how poor you are, whether you're born in, in a slum in India or whether you're born to into the household of one of the elite, say the banking elite, or whether you're just the average working person trying to make ends meet, going from job to job, whether you inherit a fortune or whether you don't inherit anything at all. Whether the opportunities are there for you to get a good job or whether there's simply zero opportunities. You're born in an epoch where there's no work available. When I grew up, it was easy to get a job, easy to make money, easy to buy a house, while relatively easy. One male was working, supporting a whole family, and that one income was sufficient to buy a house, buy a car, and support the family, send the children off to school and to university. No problems. Everyone could basically afford that if they were not drinking and gambling their, their monies away. What happened? Well, Thatcherism happened. Privatisation, that's right. All for the benefit of the super-rich, taking the resources away from people. And, of course, then, firing masses of people, forcing two people to make the same income to buy a house when before it was only one before the epoch of privatisation, and so forth. Now we have extreme privatisation. What I'm really trying to point out is the factor of karma, the karma you have. What you did in your past lives determines what resources you have in this life, what is given to you, what you're born into, the opportunities that are provided for you. Whether you're going to be born into an epoch where you're going to go to war, and suffer the effects of war like those just before the Second World War or the First World War, where people may have put a lot of money into their houses and a lot of their resources into planning for a future, and then the bombs drop. And that's the end of your whole resources, your whole world view, 
You're on the streets, struggling to survive. And of course, nowadays, this financial war. The super-rich have a war against the poor, and they're winning. What everyone that is on this path, the spiritual path, has understand is that you don't own any money. It's an illusion. It's a resource that passes through your finger. When I am given a hundred bucks, what I do is I stick it in my wallet, and then later on I have to pull it out of my wallet and give it to someone else. And then somebody gives you something for something. And you throw it into the bank, and the bankers make money out of it all and give you a piddling amount in return. And it just changes around like this. It's just flowing energy. It represents a unit of labour. It represents an energy expenditure that you have given out in order to receive that. But you don't own it. It's an illusion. At any time, it can be taken from you. The government can suddenly make these stupid laws that take it from you. You can crash your car, bombs can drop in your house, or any other thing to do with the blows of of karma. Most of you have experienced this one way or the other, the loss of resources, and suddenly the coming of fertile resources and the loss of resources, this tidal wave coming in and out of this financial karmic woe. Just the same as you meet people all the way through your life and they represent bits and pieces of your karma. Some of them affect you well and you may mate with them, have children, whatever. Others just touch your lives and then go, touch your lives and go. And all the time, it's just the same with money. Different units of karma. Things from your past life. Things that you were owned because of what you did to others. What you gave to others. What others took from you. If people took from you in a past life, you're going to receive that in recompense in this life. If you stole from somebody in a past life, then you must pay. It is simple. The law of karma. At some time in this life, you will receive a financial disaster equal to what you cause to other people. You may live with somebody that gave you lots of resources in a former life. And in this life, you may be the one who has to give the resources to support that person. It all has to be equalised somehow. It all has to be paid back. You don't possess it. It is the universe's. It is not yours. So when you think selfishly and pettily with regards to your resources like most people do, then what happens? That selfishness and pettiness, that accumulation of resources, must be paid for also. It represents a damming up of the free flow of energy on this planet. And sometime that dam must burst. It can be burst in many ways. Fires burn houses to the ground, natural sort of catastrophes, and so forth. You all understand the way it goes, the way karma can manifest, to teach you a lesson. 
the lesson of selfishness. And the whole reason why money was invented in the first place is because human beings had to go through heavy testings on the concept of selfishness, self-centeredness, the I concept. The development of money was concomitant with the development of the intellect back in the days of ancient Egypt, etc. What was money? It certainly wasn't coinage. There were certain big heavy bits of gold that were sometimes given by the king to their favourite courtiers or whatever. No, the government had to build huge granaries, silos, storing wheat and the produce of the land. And then it was distributed to the population according to the work that they gave. It's an interesting concept, is it not? Food was what money was. The giving out of food by the king and his courtiers to the population for service work rendered. Think about it. What money was before there were coins and things invented. When were the first coins invented? As I said, about the time when the intelligence started to develop in human civilization. Therefore you get ancient Greek coins. You go further back than ancient Greece, you fizzle out a bit in coinage. And you can go all the way around the world at that time and you get coinage going back that far. Selfishness and acquisitiveness. These things also existed in those days of barter. But there was not so much mechanism of being a multimillionaire. It was all the patronage from the government and the king and nobles and the courtiers that ascribed to government. People lived much simpler then. They didn't have the needs we have now. They didn't have anywhere near the complexities. So try to think of what hierarchy gave to the world when they invented money and what testings the whole world had to go through as money became more and more complex and the concept of bankers and usury, which is interest on money, came into effect. You went from gold and silver and copper to paper money. At first it was paper money that was based on gold and silver and copper and now we have fiat money based on nothing whatsoever, just a promise. So all the time people steal, they lie, they cheat, they abuse other people for this gold, silver, copper, paper stuff. And everything they do to anyone else And that includes the national rapine of other nations to steal from them the resources like what NATO is doing to Libya must be paid for. National karma, nowadays international karma and individual and group karma all must be paid for. I'll give you another example. Vincent van Gogh. What are one of his paintings worth nowadays? $50 million, $40 million. It makes the super wealthy wealthier. If they bought it 20 years ago, 30 years ago, he sold only one painting in his whole life. 
who lived in poverty, almost excruciating poverty. And when he sold that painting, he got a gun and shot himself. Now, that wealth he gave to the world, where after he died, people made millions and millions and then hundreds of millions of dollars out of his labour. So, do you not think that when he is reborn, he is going to become exceedingly wealthy? Must become exceedingly wealthy? Because the gift he gave to humanity, humanity owns him and must give it back. In the way that humanity thinks of these types of resources. Your true wealth is what you give to humanity. Your true wealth, your true money, is the service work you manifest. Hierarchy keeps the score, the divas keep the score, of what you give and what you take. And what you give is your creativity, is your service work to the all. What you take is whatever you take in order to build around you an empire of selfishness. And when you build around you an empire of selfishness, that selfishness in the later life descends upon you and you have an empire of woe and misery. Because you have taken that selfishness, you have manifested empire of selfishness to cause woe and misery around you. That is the way the energy exchange manifests. Therefore, be highly creative. Therefore, give. Therefore, serve and serve and don't think about where your resources are going in terms of your service work. Just give and you will be well provided for. Maybe in the end of this life, maybe your next life. It is a certitude. So, these people you see all around you, in Australia, for instance, with their big houses, four or five rooms and their big yards that they want, the well-to-do middle class. And why do you think they have their mansions, their utopia that they've allowed to be built around them in this life? Why? Because they were the serfs of Europe 100 to 200 years ago. They are the ones that slaved in the ghetto, in the impoverished streets, while the nobility were living off their labour. They worked and worked and worked and worked for mere pittance, often lived in rags, producing some of the beautiful pieces of artwork we have, some of the lovely carved furniture and all the rest of it, given next to nothing while the nobility lived of their labour. Or they just simply the serfs in farms, in rural districts, ruled over by a noble in a huge mansion, taking the sweat of their labour. Those people, they own, they have worked for the luxury of their lifestyle in the now. It won't last, it'll last maybe this life, and then they go back to maybe poverty or something like that. So sometimes when you think that people that don't deserve it get a lot of money from somewhere, well, you'll find that if you go back to their history, they were stolen a lot by somebody. 
whatever they did was not properly appreciated, was taken. Their labour was stolen from them and it must be given back. So, again, it is best to be unselfish and charitable, best to give open-heartedly to hierarchy, to benefit of the planetary whole, than to manifest selfish empire around you. It is a simple equation. We understand in hierarchy certainly understands the needs of everyone. They understand the needs of money, the use of money in a group such as this. They have everything well planned out according to people's karma. And the karma is all important. But people seem to think that somehow, whatever they have, they have to hang on to for their dear lives. When simply, if they follow the lords of karma, the beings that deal out the karma, that work it out and give it to the whole world. If you simply follow the dictates of the Lord of Karma, whatever you need will be given to you. It is quite simple. The statement of Jesus in the Bible, Consider ye the lilies in the field, how they live. If God in all his glory can give unto them, how much not more ye, O ye of little faith, That was a dictate I took to heart when I was a teenager onwards. Absolutely. Of course, here I am now speaking to you, I'm still alive. I made actually a vow of poverty. Well, I don't know. Um, I live in quite luxurious surroundings. None of it is really mine, but all of it is at the same time. And the same of all of you here. Those of you that are part of our organisation. We share everything, and that is the beauty of hierarchy. As I said before, nothing that you have, you can really own. It is an illusion. Temporarily, yes. But over a long time, no, it goes. And when you finally leave your body, it's all gone. Vanished like a will-o'-wisp. Nothing there. Except your karma. And you pay your karma on the inner arms. And you pay your karma when you reincarnate again. It doesn't stop this paying of karma. It's better to show up treasures in heaven, as the Bible says, than to have great abundance on this earth. Put your priorities right. Don't think of yourself. Think of the others. Think of hierarchy. Think of humanity. Now, from our point of view, from the hierarchical point of view, the real money is your samskaras. The real money is your desires, your samskaras of, that lead you to be a great meditator, that lead you to develop your heart centre, that lead to development of great wisdom, that lead you to hierarchy, that lead you to follow the path of initiation that makes you sacrifice all for the all. There is great wealth. That is what builds a huge aura around you. That is what gives you enormous domains on the inner realms. Sacrificing all for the all. 
That's true wealth. But this thing called money, huh, yeah, okay, build up as much of it for yourself as you want and die to your empire, your materialistic empire, and then suffer the karma. It's an illusion, and deadly illusion at that. I've said before that India alone could easily support all of the wealthy people, all of the materialists in a place like America. And the slums of India will absorb them all and they will pay for their karma of materialistic acquisition, selfish thinking. Let them beg on the streets for a while until they know the value of money what it really means. Or in Africa, wherever there's poverty, let them incarnate there and then find out what really is the value of money, where your karma leads you. Selfishness produces those rewards. It is quite simple. It's just an energy equation after all. Energy is not created or destroyed. It just changes from one form to the other. To every action is an equal and opposite reaction. The laws of energy is the law of money, is the law of karma. Be dispassionate and be passionate only with one thing of how you can best serve. When we're talking about samskaras and this green ray and this demonstration then we're looking at initiation testings ultimately. How compassionately do you use your money? How wisely do you use your resources? How unattached are you to the resources you have? Are you dispassionate? Or do you count every penny as you give? Initiation testings are very much woven in around your concept of what you think is yours. When in reality, what is yours is really everyone's. And what has been given to you is for you to use wisely so that you can give it to the other to make the planet a better planet. And the best way to make the planet a better planet is by working with hierarchy and the plan of hierarchy. There's no better way. In fact, it's the only real way. So, this is the esoteric understanding of our resources. What is it? It's group consciousness, group sharing of resources. The resources of the group is equally distributed amongst the group. It is used by the group in order to support the purpose of the group. And if the purpose of the group is planetary healing planetary education according to the dictates of the hierarchy that is what money is used for that is what all of your labour is used for that is for instance why this group manifests a large library why this group manifests educational resources why this group develops the skills to write books, publish books why this group utilises resources to do a web page and to beautify a property such as this and all the other overseas adventure. It's all done through group money, pooled resources, not individual resources. And when an individual thinks of the group and the way that the group manifests, 
more than themselves, gives it all for group purpose, then that is the keynote of passing the second initiation testing. You have a proper understanding of the value of money, of what it's for. And while you think of your resources separate from that of the group, you cannot pass this particular testing. Group resource, group sharing, group productivity. One group, and that group is hierarchy. Led by hierarchy, directed by hierarchy, and manifesting the love of hierarchy for the all. Then the resources will not be misappropriated. However, the group shares the karma of all the individuals within the group. Therefore, it does not mean that necessarily resources will be accumulated by the group. It means that if somebody's got some terrible karma, the group will have to pay that off according to the way that the lords of karma dictates. The group shares in the beneficence of the sum total of the good karma of the members of the group and it also shares in the blows of fate of the bad karma of the members of the group. If hierarchy have integrated the members to make a group according to the fact that they are initiates passing initiation testings, then this is part of the law of group evolution and must not be forgotten. There's many different testings to do of money that hierarchy imposes upon individuals of the group and a group as a whole. But the group wisdom shines through in the end because hierarchy knows that in order to manifest service work on a vaster scale than is ours, then resources are needed on this planet and their resources are appropriated. Once the testings have been passed concerning the utilisation and acquisition of money, so that it is all given to hierarchy, let hierarchy tell you what to do of your resources. Be dispassionate, and then it will work out all right. But if you think you know more than hierarchy about the use of your money, your resources, then you are manifesting the types of thoughts of a dark brotherhood and you will not travel far on their initiation path. Also, if you enter a group such as this, first of all, fix up your own resources. Fix up your debts, because it is not the group karma to pay them off for you. Initiates are expected to be self-resourceful This is part of it, but understand also that everything is according to the way that the Masters say it must be. Be dispassionate and be loving. Group love is the way that hierarchy tests its initiates. Group service, group love are the same thing. Think of the group more than anything else and you will enter the domains of Shambhala because it leads you eventually into the way of living that hierarchy lives. And there they have not one skerrick of selfishness. It is all love, all shared, all cooperative endeavour. They are in each other's minds 
and work together wholeheartedly for the same purpose, utilizing the sum of the resources of hierarchy for this purpose. And therefore, in order to become enlightened, you must become a monk. And what does a monk do when they enter a monastery? They first normally get tonsured. In other words, they lose their hair. They take on robes. They give their resources away. The journey to the monastery. They make a vow of poverty that they are one with that monastery and its monks. And then they work within the monastery, within its collective service work. They have left their menial lives, their mundane lives in the world and they have chosen to become part of a group working to bring down on this planet divine inspiration. And a group such as this, in order to take the second initiation, necessitates to think like you have entered into a monastery, that you are a monk or nun obeying the rules of such a monastery the way it has always been. And together then, the monastery manifests its service work within the new form of monkhood, nunhood, which is, we don't necessarily now have to wear specific robes, white robes, yellow robes or whatever. No, we wear our Western dress, but within our Western dress, and we live and mix within this Western society, we have our monks' mentality, the consciousness of manifesting divinity. We are yogis and yoginis. And that is the path before you. That is what new students to us have to learn. How to become yogis and yoginis within this Western garb, sharing resources sharing meals, sharing consciousness, developing high perceptions by cleansing samskaras, cleansing samskaras of selfishness, cleansing the samskaras of the concept of I, me, mine, and replacing it with unselfishness, cooperative endeavour, and yours, ours, the all. You can see the paradigm shift what must be in order to become enlightened. The selfishness must go as you enter the higher initiations. And by the time you're ready for your third initiation, this level of giving has been superseded because now you're thinking about the death of the soul. You're thinking about the elimination of all skerrick, all trace of the concept of I. Because you are merging totally into hierarchy and hierarchical mind, hierarchical wisdom, hierarchical enlightenment is descending into your consciousness. Your vision is becoming multidimensional. Your chakras are awakening. The fires are blazing. How can there be an individual left that is an I or me? Because 
within that mind is starting to manifest the sum total of the consciousness of all of your past lives and that which is your future. And far more than that, indeed. So you can see this whole concept of money is at the beginning of it in our selfish materialistic universe. The beginning of the path of initiation. Think about money correctly and utilize it wisely by giving it properly for hierarchical service. And money and your resources, in other words, your physical plane work, the way you use your energies, your labor, are the same thing. There's no difference.